0: The saying goes, when you need to lose yourself, you will find yourself in a garden. A beautiful garden can inspire us,
1: restore us, and calm us. This is Blooming Lovely
0: with Melanie Walker. And a very good morning to you. Hope you're having a fabulous day after, of course, um, Heritage Day yesterday. And I hope you got out and enjoyed the sunshine and had, uh, well, I mean, I know so many people say that Heritage Day is Bry Day or Shisanyama Day. And with the load shedding that we've been having, well, you know what? Why not? Get outside and bray if you don't have power. Get outside, enjoy the sunshine. Johannesburg has just been absolutely amazing at the moment. Yes, we are waiting for rain, but the weather is superlative. And with the fantastic weather, of course, comes all the color. And this is the time of year so many of us wait for. Not does it just get warmer. But then all of a sudden, all of the plants are having an absolute party in your backyard, and we're going to be talking today about how to get lots of colour into your garden. Because spring, yeah, spring has sprung; everything is doing their thing. Um, If you don't have all the tools you need, don't forget to get your nearest garden centre and go and find all the stuff you need. Because if you don't have it, then you're going to be getting really frustrated. But this spring, we're celebrating life. We're celebrating colour, bright and beautiful is definitely in. And your top flower priority is to fill all of those sun-drenched spaces with indigenous gazanias, I would say, is one of the best ways to go. I mean, they're in seedling trays wherever you go in all the nurseries and garden centers. Um, there's new hybrids of them coming out every single year. Lots of different colors. You can also get other types of daisy bushes like your osteospermins, felicia, um, Octotus, and nemesia. Um, but you also need to have something like shady plants. And some of the plants will only come through in summer, although the claviers seem to be in flowering non- Stop for quite a while at the moment I mean some are only starting to bloom now Some were blooming a couple of months ago So who knows whether it's global warming or not It just makes us happy because we have so many plants Okay, so we're going to be talking about how to get colour in your garden Not just for spring Because if you had done all of your work back in May You would have all of those wonderful bulbs popping up all over In fact, they are be coming to their end at the moment But we also need to plan ahead for what we're going to be doing during summer because once spring has done its absolutely amazing display, then what? We go into that somnolent kind of calm, muted colors as we go along into the hottest months of the year. So we're going to be giving you all the information that you need to be able to have a beautiful, colorful spring garden with an expert joining us on the line right after this. This
1: is Blooming Lovely with Melanie Walker.
0: Well, we have one of the country's top experts when it comes to a certain type of plant. Now, I just find it unfair a lot of the time that our summer flowering bulbs are given short shrift when it comes to being the ones that everybody wants. Because we always think, oh, bulbs are flowering. Oh, it must be tulips and daffodils and everybody gets their knickers in a knot about having all of those. I, for one, actually far prefer our summer bulbs. So to tell us a bit more about them, we have Charles Barnhorn, who is the head hunter at Hideko Bulbs here in Johannesburg and around the country. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Mel. And how are? Th- I know you're in Cape Town at the moment. How are things down there? Has it started raining yet?
1: Um, well, it's, it, today is beautiful. It is a lovely day. Um, but, you know, as usual for Cape Town, I think we have four seasons in one day. It looks like the clouds and the wind are coming in. Um, but it's sunny and beautiful at the moment
0: okay well that 's great now one thing um, I' was saying there i 'm not sure you might have heard it is that the you know spring bulbs or well, the winter bulbs as we refer to them, usually are the ones that people like the most. but I mean we have such an incredible diversity mm-hmm. of not just in uh, bulbs from overseas but the stuff that we have here in South Africa. So do you find that you have your your biggest sort of um, demand during the may period when people are putting their their spring and winter bulbs in or do you find that it's actually leveling out now that people have decided well i want color in my garden when a lot of the other stuff is not flowering
1: yes i mean i i agree with you that summer bulbs are underrated in in southern africa and we're seeing a shift traditionally people that the highest demand has always been around april may um, for the classics the the tulips the daffodils the hyacinths dutch iris and and all of those spring bulbs that are now in flower um but i think i think many south african gardeners are waking up to the fact that we have long summers um and and we have good intense summers and the summer bulbs thrive uh in our climate and of course the star of the show is dahlias um which will, will flower for months on end in your garden but th- th- for me the summer bulbs are completely um underrated and, and deserve more attention.
0: Okay, so we've got so many South African ones. I mean immediately I start thinking of Gladiolus and um yeah. you know, I I'm mean, I'm not talking now about the winter bulbs because we've got the sporaxis and tritonias and ixias and all of those kind of um plants. But what are the stars of the show when it comes to the summer flowering bulbs that are indigenous?
1: Yeah, look I think gladioli um are the most showy and of course they've they've been popularized around the world um but but they originate from here and 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 they also have a very long flowering time um you know obviously with the long stalks and and the progressive uh, florets that open up up the stem you you get long flowering time they attract bees um so for me gladioli are a very important part of the garden especially planted towards the back of a bed um where they give a lot of height gladioli are probably uh, the tallest of the of the summer um, bulbs and then um Eucomus, I think, is is lovely. Um, also indigenous. Pineapple flower, that mm-hmm. is. And has a lovely fragrance. Probably the second best fragrance of the of the summer bulbs, um, polyanthus being being the most uh fragrant, but polyanthus is not is not indigenous. But it is of course lovely. There's crinum is indigenous. You get quite a few different crinums, um narines.
0: And you've got a new and one, which is a cross of the Noreen and, um, Amaryllis. So you've got the, Amaryllis. Amarines. Exactly.
1: The Amaryllis Belladonna. That's the Amaryllis. Yeah. And we've, we basically, we've reintroduced them. Um, and there's, there's a, a better assortment nowadays compared to 30 years ago when we, when we first developed them, but they're, they're a cross between Amaryllis Belladonna and Noreen, which uh, it's, it's a, it's between two different, um, genera. Um, which is, of course, particularly interesting. And they have lovely flowers, uh, nice height as well, and, and long flowering time.
0: Well, I mean, I've been looking at all of the new plants that are being developed and brought out. I mean, how often do you bring out not just like new varieties within the genera itself, but like crossing that and getting that marine? Um Is it something that we can look forward to in the future?
1: Yes, for sure. So we've, we have a massive uh, R&D um, department, which you've seen, Mel, uh, many... Beds of, of different, um, species and hybrids, um, that, that we are constantly experimenting with and testing. Um, and we've been upping the effort on that the last few years. And we have a lot of, um, you know, it, it takes a few years to bulk any, any type of bulb up into a quantity that we can introduce it to all of the garden centers. Um, but we have a lot that are now approaching that critical quantity that we can start to Um, Start to distribute and and offer to the public So there there are a lot of new introductions Coming over the next few years
0: Okay, and one of them of course is Amaryllis We'll get onto those in a moment But um, Mm. you say that we have the right climate For most of the bulbs here in South Africa But of course we have different climates In Johannesburg and Cape Town And KZN So Are all of the bulbs able to grow in all of the areas without too much problem, or are there certain things that you should shy away from, say, that if you live in a winter rainfall area as opposed to a summer rainfall area?
1: Yeah, look, it's a very good question, and South Africa has such different climatic regions, um, but as a rule of thumb, the summer bulbs are suited to all of South Africa, and that's that's true for every part of South Africa. The only real difference being that if you're in a in a summer non-rainfall area, um, so let's say the Western Cape, mostly doesn't get that much rain in summertime. Um, then of course you, if if you're planting summer bulbs in an area that doesn't get summer rainfall, you'll you'll need to supplement with water. Um, but you know, even on the high felt, um it's not wise to rely only on rainfall in the summer months um, as you can see at the moment i mean Joburg's terribly dry but you could actually plant your summer bulbs out but you would need to still water them twice a week and and what does help of course to be water conscious um, is to put a really good thick mulch down mm. at, at planting time and the best mulch of course is a compost well rotted uh excuse me <clears throat> compost and and of course make it about an inch thick two centimeters thick or three centimeters thick Um, and that helps to retain the water, um, and regulate the soil temperature as well.
0: So, I mean, would you say that bulbs are actually water-wise plants? Because I know we, I mean, we, we talk about water and those of us in the green industry are always banging on about there's never enough water. And of course with the droughts that have been happening down the Western Cape over the last few years, what's happening in the Eastern Cape at the moment, although I believe they've had some good rain in the last couple of days. Um, what, what is the bulbs thirst level like compared to other plants?
1: Look, I think bulbs are water-wise in two ways, actually. If you think about it, the entire reason that a bulb, uh, and we use that in, in the general sense of the words, so it includes things like corms and tubers and roots. Um A bulb has evolved to be uh, dormant at the time of year when there is no rainfall. Um, as, as we have in this country, most of the bulbs from the Western Cape, as an example, grow and flower in wintertime. Um, or, or flower in spring, but they're adapted to winter rainfall areas and and those bulbs that are indigenous to the high felt um will be dormant in the winter time when, when they're not receiving uh, much rainfall so in that way, bulbs are exceptionally water wise for at least half the year, and then in their active time um because of that that storage organ of the bulb as well um bulbs do contain moisture that they can go. A certain amount of time without moisture, even during their active time. Um, and they also put down very deep root systems, uh, much deeper than, um, say annuals or bedding plants. They, they, they put down root systems that can be 30 centimeters deep. And the reason for that and the advantage of thats that is that they're pulling, they, they, they're putting their roots down to a level where, um, if you, if you have a decent, let's say thunderstorm of 20 millimeters and, and the, the, the moisture seeps down to 30 or 40 centimeters into the ground and you don't have rainfall for five or six days after that, the bulb still has plenty of moisture because it's tapping down to a deeper level. Mm. Um, but of course you, you can further take that, um, in, in more water wise, just with your own behavior by using the mulch, um, by, Planting bulbs in semi-shade areas rather than full sun, um, with the exception perhaps of dahlias, which really do thrive in very full sun. Um, ha- yeah. Harking from Mexico, of course, they 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 they, they love the heat. Um, but all the other summer bulbs, you, you can get them to be a little extra water-wise by just reducing their amount of evaporation and, and popping them into semi-shade areas.
0: Okay, so dahlias, of course, we know. We're all waiting for the dahlias, and I know that um, they're, yeah. they're coming up onto the website. And, of course, everybody can actually not just go into a garden center and buy your bulbs from there, but you can go online to hideco.co.za and go and visit the shop and, and put in an order. Um, one thing <laughs> a lot of people have said, yeah, but it always says it's out of stock, and I'm like, Yes, because they're not in stock yet. <laughs> it's not that everybody's bought them <laughs> all yet. It's just that we're waiting for them to get to the right time of year that you can put them But You can always order ahead of time. However, the one thing is, is that you may be able to order them and get them, but it's not the right time to plant them. So when should you, by yeah. the rule of thumb, plant out summer bulbs?
1: Yeah, so summer bulbs, the the planting time is quite long. And you can be planting from now, countrywide, even though it's a little bit cooler in some parts of the country, but that's fine. Dahlias um, prefer to be planted later, which is why we release them a little later as well. I typically plant my dahlias not before the end of November. Um And they can be planted in December as well. I've planted as late as January, but that's a touch too late. Um and if you if you If you plant them later rather than earlier, you actually get a longer flowering time, and that's typically all the way up until the first frost, be it June or july uh, and One little trick there to encourage their their growth and their flowering is to prune them and it's It's nothing as technical as pruning roses. you, you just um cut cut about a third of of the of the plant back once they're into full. Uh, development once they 're fully uh, in full size let's say, and if you cut flowers for the bars, um, that actually stimulates more growth of of more flowers.
0: But there's certain dahlias that they say that you should, what, prune off the, the two side shoots and just keep the center shoots going with the flowers to get bigger flowers. Is that a specific yes. type of dahlia or across the board? No. Typically
1: that applies to all dahlias, and that's if, if you're looking for larger flowers, um, which, you know, especially if you're growing the pompons and the, 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 the more showy, um, um, larger varieties, then you'll be looking to do that. And that, that does actually work, absolutely, Mel.
0: Okay, so I mean, I, I sit and I look at the range of dahlias. How many do do you actually have? I mean, if we take into account there's ball dahlias and then there's the pom-poms and there's this, the cactus and the semi-cactus and yeah. the dinner plates and bedding yeah. dahlias. I mean, do you grow them all the same and how many different varieties are there and what should you look out for most when it comes to dahlias?
1: well that's it's such an interesting topic, and I actually haven't counted how many we have in the range at the moment. Um, but we have introduced a lot of new ones um recently for this season, and we plan on in- increasing the range again uh, every season. but we have a tremendous amount of variety and and we're we're, we're able to pull also from other growers and, and breeders in the world, which helps us. Back in the eighties, um dahlias had just gone through a peak of popularity worldwide, particularly in Europe and the states and And then they that popularity backed off a little, which I can understand in countries like um like England and Holland, they have quite short summers, and um unfortunately, the popularity decline also happened here in South Africa, which to me never made sense, of course um with with our glorious summers that we experience mm. um and worldwide the popularity has been bouncing back in the last ten or fifteen years, which means there's the 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 breeders have also been popping up and 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 making more new hybrids uh you know more exciting flowers, bigger flowers, different colors um et cetera and so of course we we can um benefit from that as well that we're also able to introduce a lot of those varieties that are bred in particular in Europe, um, which is still a a breeding center for
0: dahlias do you think that most people see them as really kind of being old-fashioned look i mean i'm an old-fashioned girl so i really do enjoy old-fashioned flowers um but you know most people will think dahlias they think in england specifically all those little farmers kind of get-togethers where they have the flower competitions and people with allotments sitting on their couches and in their allotments growing these huge dahlias and just talking about the dahlias do you think that that's why it's not that popular with maybe younger generation or do you find that the the younger people are starting to like them again as well
1: we, yeah, younger people are starting to to cotton on to how amazing they are. We have seen that in a number of ways. Um, you know, we see it at at, at garden club talks um, with with younger people getting interested in them. We can see it on the demographics on, on the website hortico.co.za that that more young people are are uh, are clicking towards the dahlias and buying the dahlias, and I think deservedly so because they're easy. Um, they're very undemanding bulbs. And and they give an incredible show, and also there are more um, – there there's an incredible r- new range in them, which are more exciting, and the colors are incredible.
0: Yeah, no, I know. Mean, look, I'm a huge Dahlia fan, and I, I just don't have enough space. And, and how much space would you actually need um, to have, like, a really good showing of dahlias? And, I mean, I know some people well, think, I'm just going to grow one, but then you look at it and you think, hang on, I need, like, about another 15 to make this worthwhile.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you can grow them in pots as well. And it's if you're going to grow the, the larger, taller dahlias, then you need a larger pot. Um, and if you only have smaller pots and smaller spaces, then there are more compact dahlias to choose from. And that, that's the beauty of dahlias. They're, they're incredibly versatile. Um, the only thing to bear in mind, really, is is to just try and maximize their sunlight. They, they perform particularly well and flower particularly well with a lot of sunlight.
0: More, mainly morning light, or, or is it, are they okay with our, our very hot afternoons?
1: They're okay with hot afternoons, but then they'll be a little more demanding in terms of um, some extra watering. And again, putting mulch down once you plant, it helps to, to retain the moisture in the soil. We, As an idea, we, we grow our dahlias out on the farm near Michalisburg, and, and that's absolute full sunlight. Um, And they get very intense afternoon sun there, and they absolutely thrive.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to be finding out more about dahlias and other bulbs, which are put out by Hadeco right after this. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is Blooming Lovely with Melanie
0: Walker. And life is blooming lovely, and especially when you're thinking about what you're going to be putting into the garden in summertime. So on the line with us uh, from Cape Town, we have Charles Barnholm, the main guy out at Hideco. Now, Charles, before we went to the ad break, we are chatting about dahlias. The, the only problem that I see with dahlias on the whole, apart from the fact that snails and slugs sometimes come and chow, uh, chow away on them, is the problem with um, mildew on the leaves. How does one sort yes. that out?
1: Yeah, so the mildew typically will form, uh, when, when we're having a lot of rain and higher moisture and less airflow. So one of the ways to sort them out, um, very ecologically is to thin them out a little. And we spoke earlier about pruning. You can also pull off the lower leaves, um, and, and that opens up the airflow through the plant and under the plant. And that already goes a very long way to reducing mildew. And in most parts of the country, particularly at highfield, that will be enough. Um, if you live in a persistently uh, moist area in summer, uh, perhaps nail sprays, I'm thinking, um, you might need to apply a fungicide if the problem gets out of control. But generally, I find just by thinning out, just by removing the leaves that would show signs of mildew that... Um, Sort of sootiness, whiteness to the leaves. Um, then you you should be able to control the problem. And normally, um, the problem is is more in the later part of the season. And one of the reasons for that, and this is kind of true of all bulbs, um, as a bulb is approaching its dormant time, it knows it, if I can use that word, it feels it um, through temperature. So as as the as the nighttime temperatures start cooling off in April and May. Um, the plant begins to put less energy into its foliage um, and and starts to abandon it, which means that it's 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 doing what it's meant to do um, and and going dormant and and bulbs most bulbs will shed their leaves just before the dormant time. so if you're seeing mildew mid season um, thin out and and react by by cleaning up and allowing more airflow um, but if you're seeing it in June, it's not to panic because, um, the bulb is, is putting less effort into its, um, protection systems and getting ready to go to dormancy.
0: Okay, well let's just get to the nitty gritty of actually how to plant bulbs. Um First of all, when it comes to dahlia, um, the thing that freaks me out the most, and I actually saw something online, I think it might have been from overseas where they'd taken a dahlia, which looks like witch's fingers hanging down basically okay, so it's a whole bunch mm. of storage units and there's a couple of eyes on the top from where the plant grows. These people were cutting each piece off and then planting that. Mm. So whenever I'm telling people when they're planting a bu- don't don't pull it apart. You've got to plant the entire yeah. thing as it is. That is one unit. Why do you think yeah. the people think, do they, do they honestly think they're going to get more plants from cutting it up?
1: It's a, an incredibly common mistake, and we see it quite quite often. Um, and it's unfortunate. I think it comes about because each of those uh, tuber areas, those swollen tubers, look like a bulb unto themselves. Um, but as you say, Melanie, they're actually just part of the they're just a storage organ for the, for the entire bulb and each one has, yeah, massive, uh, well, each, each uh, tuberous root, um, mm-hmm. each bulb has, uh, massive swollen fingers that, that are the storage organs for the entire system. And the crown, which links all of them is, is the critical piece that actually generates the flowers. Whereas the swollen areas are, are more the, um nutrition and, and moisture storage areas. If you, if you grow dahlias, uh, a couple seasons at home, those, uh, tuberous roots will themselves multiply. um and, and then they can be split, but very carefully that each system has its own crown. Uh, and, and, but, but certainly don't pull off, um the, the swollen tubers off of each one.
0: Yeah, it's, it drives me mad when people are saying, oh, but my dahlias aren't growing. And I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised when they dig. I say, well, you know, dig it up, send me a picture. Let me have a look and see what you're doing. And then I'm like, oh gosh, really? Um, but to get back to the absolute basics, I mean, I think rule of thumb when you're planting any bulbs with the exception of amaryllis and things like your, um, irises is to plant them the same depth below the soil level as they are deep themselves is that correct
1: exactly right mel exactly right and another rule of thumb is pointy end up um, which doesn't apply to something like a renunculus where where the claws go down and and dahlias where you're putting the the swollen bits more down and the crown more up bulbs are incredibly tolerant and clever though if you do get it wrong um they they're either able to with their root systems work their way around or um or or simply uh send the stem upwards even if it has to take a slightly longer route
0: yeah, and the bulbs are very, very clever little things. I mean, they're just one power pack all in one little thing. But um yeah. now we, we've got to get on to, the, I would say, probably the best seller that Hadeco puts out, not just here in South Africa, but also worldwide, which is the amaryllis. Although what we call amaryllis here are, in fact, hippiastrum.
1: Yes. So I think hippiastrum is a much harder thing to say, and amaryllis is much easier, which is why we're having trouble uh getting people to 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 go with the correct name. Um and a couple hundred years ago the Amaryllis belladonna from the Western Cape was confused with Hipiastrum and they thought it was the same thing. They are incredibly similar in many aspects, um both true bulbs, um but they are different genera. Um, but nonetheless we will we'll call it amaryllis, but of course what we really are referring to is are, are the Hipiastrum hybrids. Mm. And the Amaryllis um uh have an incredible diversity in their colors and and you can experiment with this at home to to cross pollinate one variety to another and get something uh unique and special from from the seed that you produce um and we have at hadoka we have i would say the world's largest hybridizing program on amaryllis um with the result that we have uh, Every season, new varieties coming out that um, we're able to offer around the world. Um, South Africa exports a tremendous amount of amaryllis to Europe, to the States, and nowadays, of course, also to the, to the East, to China. Um, and I find that the varieties are just getting more exciting every single season. Um, we have yellows that are starting to be introduced, um, but even among the traditional colors, the reds get uh deeper in color, more flowers on a stem, more stems on a bulb. Um and it's an incredibly exciting bulb to grow at home. They're very easy as as well. They flower about five weeks after planting time. Uh you did mention earlier, Mel, that they're they're planted a little differently to other bulbs. The neck must be out of the soil. Mm-hmm. The neck should be exposed above the soil and even the shoulders can be exposed. If you they do very well on containers, on pots. And in that environment, you can actually put the the neck and shoulders out of the soil, um, which means you're showing the bulb off as well and then the the bulb will flower about five to six weeks after planting, which also makes it um, easy to time them if you need them in flower at a certain date, um, which is how the Europeans use them they um, They plant them at about the tenth of November and then have them in in flower over Christmas time and they're used as Christmas flowers in in much of Europe, in particular in northern Europe. And in this country with our wonderful summers, um, your mother bulb, we term her, will make daughter bulblets. She'll clone herself, uh, particularly during the second half of summer, um, so that you'll actually have just naturally without without doing much except uh, providing regular watering, You're, you'll have um, more bulbs next season compared to this season.
0: I think a lot of people tend to think of amaryllis or have hippie as being kind of a – plant that you would grow in a pot whereas i mean i do have mine in a pot in the garden but it's a really big pot and it's been there f- i mean we're going into now the ninth season since i planted my fireworks and they come back bigger and mm. better every single year and i'm i'm a chaotic theory kind of chaos <laughs> theory mm. uh, gardener which means that my plants don't generally get food or water at all and they just keep on coming back so they amaryllis are actually quite hardy aren't they
1: yeah, they really are. Um, having said that, you you obviously are going to get the best results by changing the soil, uh replacing with fresh soil. Um in a smaller container every every winter. Mm. July is the time to do that once the bulb has um has done that thing of of going abandoning its leaves. The, the leaves will yellow in about June. Um and then you should replace the soil really. And I know of many gardeners who've who've kept um, Their bulbs in in a container for ten years, twelve years, and are still getting good flowering out of it. But obviously, um, the the bulb is is extracting the nutrients from the soil, and and it, it, you will get the best results by replacing the soil every season or so. And the the, the important time to flower, and this is true uh, to to fertilize rather. This is true of all bulbs. is is actually after the season's flowering. So if you if you buy bulbs this season, um, the bulbs are, are swollen up with nutrients and with embryo buds from the grower, mm. and and obviously it's very easy to get them to come into flower this season because they're they're ready they're ready to flower, and and many bulbs make those embryo buds a season or two in advance. So for you, the reason you would fertilise this summer is so that you're getting bigger and better blooms next summer. And, and the a bulb, most bulbs will flower quite early in the cycle, uh, summer bulbs in particular. They'll, they'll flower earlier in summer and they'll spend the next few months all the way up until early winter, um, fattening themselves up, um, with nutrients and moisture storage for, for the adverse time, the dormant time, as well as the start of next season. And, uh, in the last few months of summer, they'll, they'll be bulking up their, um, their flowers for next season mm. So that's the time to fertilize um, In the case of a of an amaryllis it's, it's from December until April You should be fertilizing about every week or two And that also will help with the cloning aspect That the mother bulb will make more daughter bulblets that way
0: Okay, now one of the things I mean obviously you would be lifting them up If you're refreshing the soil and everything And that's a question we get asked quite a lot Do I lift my, my bulbs and I know that overseas mm. people will lift their bulbs. And, in fact, with the amaryllis overseas, a lot of people will just see them as being an annual plant. And once it's finished flowering, yeah. they will just go and put it into their compost heap or uh, get rid of it and just get new plants the next year. Should you lift them yeah. in South Africa or just leave them where they are?
1: General rule of thumb in South Africa, leave them where they are. Um, we have such suitable... Uh, seasons, summer and winter, and I'll, I'll expand on that in a moment by what I mean by suitable, um, the, the bulbs that you you can source in this country do well in their dormant time. So an amaryllis is a good example. Um, in the wild, naturally, an amaryllis doesn't like to go much below 5 degrees centigrade. Um, that sounds warm. Bear in mind that's the soil temperature. So even if we have a light frost in winter, most parts of this country, the soil temperature is still not dropping low enough to harm the bulb in its dormancy Um, so where this idea of lifting comes from it's from countries uh, where bulbs were initially first popularised and I'm thinking back to tulips and hyacinths in the 1700s, 1800s in Holland and England and the states where they have exceptionally cold winters, they go down to minus 5 or minus 10 is not unusual and so that's where the habit of lifting bulbs came from Um, and in the case of, of, um, something like a eucomus, the pineapple flower, they can actually handle minus 10 or minus 20. Um, but regardless, very few bulbs need to be lifted and stored indoors in this country. Um, something like a tulip, um, obviously doesn't like a hot summer. They, they come from the Himalayas, the foothills of the Himalayas and tulips in theory should be uh, lifted for the summertime in this country but of course our September and October anyway is already so hot um, which is the time that the mother bulb makes her daughter bulbits which would in turn flower next year. Sorry it's getting a bit complicated. <laughs> the bottom line though is that tulips and hyacinths in this country are best lifted and sorry to say it, but thrown away um, because our springtime already is too hot for mm. them to um, to produce their flowers for next season. So all, all other bulbs simply leave them in the soil. And something like a daffodil, although obviously it will be dormant in the summertime, it can still tolerate uh, water and rainfall uh, through the summer months, provided the soil is well draining. They are adapted to um, to remain dormant, even though they're getting water, just because they can feel um, that it is summertime and that they should be dormant through through the warmer months.
0: Mm. Okay, well, back to the amaryllis for a moment. I mean, I don't think they have very many problems, do they? Um so you don't have to give them that much in the way of care and attention with the exception of course of the lily borer which we all hate. The lily
1: borer, exactly. Yeah, the lily borer aka uh, amaryllis worm, uh the yellow and black banded worm Horror. that destroys all amaryllids, <laughs> which includes eucomus, clivias, crinums, Nerenes, anything with those um, spiky long leaves. Um, yes, yeah, so the amaryllis worm is certainly, the lilybore is certainly something to look out for, and and the moment you see them, pick them off and remove them immediately. Um, there are some relatively natural, e- e- ecologically, minded um, sprays that you can use as well if the problem does get out of hand but certainly don't leave the lily borer to to do its thing because it will work its way down the leaf and leave a stripe going down the leaf and into the bulb eventually and and will actually destroy the bulb as well. Mm. But aside from that, they are incredibly easy, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love them because I can just leave them alone and they do their thing. Um, and one question we have from a lot of people is, when are we going to get a blue amaryllis? What is it that everybody has this thing that mm. they want to have blue flowers? I mean, I know that there's a turquoise flower-colored uh, Ixia, which um, hopefully we'll be able yeah. to bring out soon, which is, like, really fantastic. Yes. But what is yes. this thing that people want to have blue amaryllis? I-
1: Uh, A good question, Mel. And I I guess it's because people want what they can't have. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I think you know, if you naturally, amaryllis have a a very good range of colours in their in their makeup, but blue's not really in the flower very much. Mm. So I think that's going to be quite a challenge. We are trying. It's not to say we won't pull it off. and I'm always looking out for hints of blue in the breeding program to try. And the moment we get that, the moment we get soft blues, light blues, uh, hints of blue, then, then I think we'll be on the track to actually achieving it. Um, the closest thing, there there is a um, a genus, different to amaryllis, different to hippiascrum, called Wall's Leia, um, which does have blue flowers. And I'm trying to to source those that we can introduce those to to gardeners because that would be a good substitute i think and grows quite similarly to to the amaryllis
0: well and i do know that there is um an amaryllis well a hippiastrum which is wasn't actually an amaryllis i think it's actually an amaryllis isn't it it's a blue colored one but it's only found in a specific area somewhere in south america in the middle of a forest next to a waterfall So we're not going to be able to get that from there. (laughs) It's one of those things, just one of those things. But, yeah, I mean, going at the colors, I mean, at the moment, the one that um, fascinates me is because, I mean, I'm a huge fan of your Zantodesha Ethiopica, which is our indigenous, as people would call it, a calla lily or an arum lily. And I love the pure white ones and the green goddess and all of those. But now the the Zantodesha hybrids are available in such a range of colors as well. Are they good for the garden? Or should you keep those in pots?
1: Sorry, I just dropped an earphone there. Um, they are good for the garden and good in pots. Obviously the Ethiopica, the white, is in flower right across the Cape at the moment. And it's a particularly good season of it. Um, they do very well in flays and marshes, and just driving around the Cape, you can you can see them all over the place uh, very nicely in flower. The hybrids that we offer um are much more compact and and flower later in summer and come in a tremendous range of of colors and the incredible thing about them nowadays um th- these have been hybridized by breeders in New Zealand and Holland and other places mainly and the amazing thing about them is that they have so ma- so many flowers per bulb mm. um, and and you know you can see it on a on a um, tuber, when when you buy them, they have a, 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 an amazing amount of eyes, and so they're very well suited. A lot of them were bred for pots, for small pots, um, to be sold um, as potted flowering plants in in Europe and and other places. And and one of the goals was to make as many flowers on the pot as possible. So whether you plant them in the garden or on on or a pot, you you get a very um spectacular show of many flowers and and also across a wide range of colors there you know there are colors from oranges to pinks to yellows and an approaching black very deep purple as well
0: one of the questions that we get often, um, as well from people about the Zantedeschia, the colored ones, is that will they revert to a bland color or will they stay true to that color? And what happens if you have like some planted next to each other and they cross pollinate? Is that mm. going to change the color of the bulb itself?
1: Yeah, there's, there's a bit of a uh, an old wives tale with that and they, they keep their color. They maintain their color and even planting them next to um, an Ethiopic or, or any other uh colour is not going to affect the mother bulb's um, genetics um, is is what it comes down to and some people say but I've seen it in my garden it happens, I planted a beautiful pink next to a white and and now I've only got white left so obviously what's happened there is that the pink didn't survive and the white did it's mm-hmm. as simple as that and of course they they might cross pollinate each other and produce seed which might you know, tend towards white or, or another color, uh, that the offspring, um, becomes a different color. But as long as the original bulb survives, she, she will flower true every single season. And it, it did happen about 10 or 15 years ago that the older arum, uh, the older Xanthodesia varieties were somewhat susceptible to a bacterium called Erwinia. But the modern hybrids are no longer. Um, susceptible to that and they're very strong and they do very well in our soils and they will come back every season uh, and again provided uh, you water them reliably through until the beginning of winter and also fertilize in those last few months um, and they'll bulk up they'll they'll clone themselves and generate more uh, more bulbs for the following season.
0: So of the and I, I know that people always because everybody has their favorite favorite what is your absolute favorite, mm. favorite, Charles? What is the bulb that you ah. really could <laughs> – am I being mean? My, uh, you which is you are, you but my
1: daughter asks me that question regularly as well. Um, <laughs> and I turn it around to her and say, what is your favorite? Um, and, and, and I've noticed as she gets older, she, her list of favorites is getting longer, Yeah. Um, which is my problem. I, I think for me, I, I have different favorites for different parts of the of the garden. Um, and obviously, you know, I spend so much time and attention on Amaryllis. Um, and that variety, specifically Alfresco, the double white, mm. I, I would say is something that comes to mind. Um, but you know, I just had a, a wonderful season of, of, of treated tulips flowering in my pots on my patio. Um, and, and we import those from New Zealand, which is a, a more suitable climate for tulips than we have, a colder climate and those tulips just absolutely blew me away that every morning I'd go and just sit with them and and I was just astounded by the range of colors that they have so i i think mel if i have to pick one it, it probably is dahlias um just because they give so much value just so many flowers such a big show and for such a long time i i would say that's that's probably the if if i could only have one this season that that would be mine
0: so what other plants are coming in from overseas? I mean, I know we we send from South Africa to um, overseas, uh, for the amaryllis. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of the time people get very frustrated because they're saying, well, why have you not got enough daffodils, you know, for instance? Yeah. So, you know, we and we
1: actually export not just the amaryllis. We export a range of bulbs, about 30 kinds of bulbs around the world, Especially the southern hemisphere, um, because this is a thing with bulbs. They, they get a kind of jet lag when you transport them. Um, you know, humans get jet lag going west east, but bulbs get jet lag going north south and and, and south north um, because of the seasons, the season differences. So we don't we we try not to grow everything ourselves. We try to offer the widest range of bulbs possible, um, particularly to, to South Africans. Um, but we don't always want to grow all of them ourselves. We're trying to support other local growers as much as possible. So many of the kinds of bulbs that you find in our packets are actually produced by growers in Natal or the Cape. Um, but obviously uh, there is a demand for kinds of bulbs that are not as easily commercially produced in this country. Tulips, daffodils, hyacinths are, are the prime examples. And we source many of those from uh, New Zealand, Tasmania, um, so that's same hemisphere, but, but cold, colder winter, colder, longer winters. And then also we saw certain things like the lilliums from Holland. Um, and Holland is particularly good at growing many of those kind of bulbs that need colder climates. Uh, our specialty being the, the bulbs that, that prefer warmer, longer summers, of course.
0: Those are Asiatics and those kind of things. Do they like the warm?
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, but a, a lot of the lilies actually like quite intense cold winters, surprisingly.
0: Mm. Okay, now um, what are the plants that people ask for the most that you just absolutely cannot get here in South Africa because we do not have the right kind of com- uh, conditions for them?
1: Yes, so um, and most of those, again, tend to be those winter bulbs where our winters are not cold enough. So what comes to mind is Fritillaria,
0: that everybody uh, asks for, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, very popular in the states, um, and I think one of the reasons is because they keep away deer. I've been told, mm. um, which um, but they they require very intense cold winters, as do crocus, um, which it's it's a borderline for us. We we have been able to offer crocus before in South Africa, um, also produced in New Zealand, um, but the demand wasn't that high, which surprised me. Um, But there are others like that as well. So um, certain types of hyacinths and certain types of tulips just won't do well in this country. And people often ask for snowdrops, um, another example, which is galanthus. Um, But obviously a very good substitute that does incredibly well, it's in flower at the moment, is snowflakes, um, which is lecoium. Um, So, you know, there's quite often a substitute, and there's quite often even when you can't um, find a type of bulb, there's quite often a good reason for it. People tend to bring back, if, if they travel to Amsterdam, they, they tend to bring back bulbs from the airport on their way back home. And I find those sellers in the airport are quite unscrupulous because, um, you know, bring bringing bulbs back that way, you might be bringing back bulbs that are not suited to our climate, but you also might be bringing back diseases. Um, you know, legally, you can only transport bulbs around the world with, Plant passports, what we call phytosanitary certificates, um, because any time you move a bulb across borders, um, they need to be proven to be disease free. So, you know, in this country, we offer the widest range of bulbs that do well in South Africa. And we're always looking out for new kinds that do well here. Um, but often if a bulb is not offered here There might be a very good reason for it hmm.
0: So the the rule of thumb there is Do not get duped by the dudes At the Amsterdam airport Okay, don't go there yeah. at all And one of the bulbs which I, I mean, I'm just sitting here And thinking about which are my favourites And I mean it is a difficult thing to try and decide What you like most of anything But I think it's fairly underrated And I don't, I mean I, You don't see them that often as crinum um, I've got what yeah. I term A sacrificial crinum in my garden Because I realise that the little moth that lays the eggs, which turns into that horrible lily borer, actually prefers the crinum to the other plants. So Mm. I keep the crinum far away from my amaryllis, and then the moth will go there, and that plant actually can handle the lily borer, but you're only (laughs) going to have to look after one plant. okay? But they are the most exquisite plants. The flowers coming off of those things are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah.
1: I agree, and I, I was about to turn that question around on you, Mel, and ask you what is your favourite bulb. Um, but I think now we know.
0: Yeah, well, you Cri- know Cri- that Cri- I love of... iridons and I love um, lycium, and I mean, I just yeah. love plants. I mean, it's a difficult one for me. Yeah. I didn't used to like roses, and I've become very fond of them. <laughs> so, you know, it changes. I think I, as you get older and you and you change the way of your gardening as well, um, that makes yeah. the difference.
1: I think that's probably the ultimate. Um, joy of gardening is, it's a diversity and, and just, you know, I, for me, I, it feels like a, a collection. I, I just want to keep getting more kinds of plants. But yeah, the crinum, you know, crinum is, is an interesting genus because you, you, you find naturally, you find species across the world, really. Mm. Um, they come from many different parts of the world and you, you get some from, the, from the tropics as well that are also interesting to grow. Um, but we have quite a few species from this country. And they are incredibly hardy. They have very long lifespans. They make really large bulbs, which makes it hard for us often to sell them. Uh, many of the species make bulbs the size of footballs. Yeah. And, of course, people, gardeners, expect to buy a bulb and have it flower the same season. In the case of a crinum, it's quite tricky um, because the bulbs are so big and heavy at, at um, flowering age. Um, but once you have a crinum, um, you can just leave them in place, and they'll keep cloning themselves. And keep making masses of flowers for, for many weeks. Um, and, and I, I, I adore crinums as well. Um, crickets put in a container is perhaps the only negative about them. You need a really large container yeah. if you're going to
0: do that. Well, you can pretty much grow anything in, po- in a pot except a human
1: yes <laughs> well charles thank you so
0: <laughs> yeah we can grow grow some people in a pot there we go um well thank you for taking your time out of your your rest and relaxation day to to join us and give us a bit more info about this of course if people have any questions how would they get hold of you
1: um i think through the website is probably the best way we have a good little contact form and also we're on facebook at oko.bulbs. um and and that's probably the best way to get hold of us. We have a team nowadays that does answer questions. um We used to just be pure farmers, but now we're starting to um actively um communicate with the public and and we and you know on that note, I'd just like to say Mel you know th- thank you to everyone who does support us and thank you to everyone who who takes the time to communicate with us. i think it's 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 a two way conversation always we we learn from one another.
0: Yeah. And we will also find out what people want. <laughs> I think that's the most important yeah. thing. Charles, thank you very much. Exactly. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll catch up with you again in uh, the next time when we do stuff about bulbs, uh, especially for the thank winter you, time. Thank no, you. All right. Take thank good you. care. Thank you. And for those of you who do have questions, don't forget, you can also drop us emails here on bloominglovely at highfm.com. Um, but once again, as Charles said, I mean, there's so many resources online that you can send through questions if you need any help with your gardening. And of course, if you want to find out what open gardens are coming up because now that we come out of this horrible thing where we were all stuck in our houses we can actually go out and in, like commune with each other. So there are open gardens coming up. Gardens of the Golden City have um, once again they've got their Rodine blooming affair happening. It's always wonderful to go and see the gardens at Rodine. That's on the 1st and then also there's a bunch of gardens that will be open at Elphin Estate. Um, it's not just one garden. That's also on the 1st. It's out in Modifontine. And then the Johannesburg Garden Club have got um, two coming up in a couple of weekends time on the Saturday the 8th and Sunday the 9th. There's two gardens. One in Dun and one in Inanda So you can go in online, check out Gardens of the Golden City Open Gardens And then also Johannesburg Garden Club And see what they've got coming up There's lots of things to do There's lots of stuff to be excited about As I said, if you're in load shedding And hopefully it doesn't get worse again That we still go up like to level 3, level 2 And hopefully even We don't have this power issue anymore Don't feel powerless Get out into the garden Okay, Go and enjoy the sunshine Go make a braai Get some people around. Have some fun. And you know what? Just enjoy what we have here in South Africa. We really do have the most amazing country and the most amazing way of living. So don't miss out on it. I'll catch you again next week. Don't forget, send through questions. We'd love to interact with you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And before I go, just wishing you a good yontif and well over the fast for tonight for Rosh Hashanah. Goodbye.